On today's show, Atlanta Hawks fall in Chicago. Final score, 111 to 100. And the offense was just not good enough in this game for Atlanta. We'll touch on all of why that was, what transpired in this one, how it all falls into context, and much more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1396 of the Lothan Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening, deep into the night into Tuesday here in late January. And today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Lothan Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And today's show is going to break down what became a 111 to 100 loss for the Hawks up in Chicago. We'll have all the details on that, but I want to encourage you at the top of the podcast to make us your first listen each and every day at the Lothan Podcast network and especially at locked on hawks talk about the hawks each and every day on this podcast and that uh, you can find us across podcast platforms apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher odyssey app google play all those places on the audio side and then we're also over on youtube on the video side obviously not a great night for the hawks on the road 11 point loss and it was tied going into the fourth quarter so not a great close to the game for atlanta they're now 24 and 24 after back-to-back losses and honestly the offense was just not good enough in this game which we'll come back to later on there were some caveats the injuries were apparent in this game but still just not good enough offensively and that was the uh, overarching theme of this particular night um coming into the night we call the hawks and bulls have played two very very close games they had very similar profiles coming in the first two games were decided by one point and two points and hawks pr passes along earlier in the day on Monday, it was the first time in the play-by-play era of the NBA that the Hawks played two games in the same season that ended on buzzer beaters against the same opponent. And they happened in about a two-week span. So those games were as close as they possibly could have been in the first two. They were threatening to have that happen again today through three quarters. Um, the Hawks did come into the game two games ahead of the Bulls in the standings, but the Bulls had won two games in a row, and the Bulls actually had a, had a more positive net rating than the Hawks did. So pretty even teams on paper. No big rest advantage in this game either way because Chicago hadn't played in a while, but they actually had to come back from Paris where they played on Thursday afternoon against the Pistons where the Hawks played over the weekend but didn't have to fly across the world like the Bulls did. So we'll call that kind of even-ish. Injury-wise, the Hawks had the more shorthanded roster, though, in this game. The late added the injury report at the very end, about an hour before tip-off was DeAndre Hunter, who had what the Hawks described as acute asthma symptoms. He was ruled out of that game about an hour before tip-off. Amit Millen said after the game that he actually didn't know about Hunter not playing until he went back to the locker room before the game. So uh, not really a whole lot of detail beyond the just the ruling of acute asthma symptoms. He was on the bench. That's a positive sign just for his overall health. I actually have asthma myself. It's not a whole lot of fun. Um, so I'm not sure anything beyond that at this point in time, but they, obviously he couldn't play. But Millen said he got checked, checked up by the doctors in Chicago. That's standard operating procedure, by the way. The home team just has more medical personnel on on site, so nothing out of the ordinary there. And uh, yeah, hopefully Hunter's all right, but he could not play in this game. And uh, pretty bad timing just for the opponent because the Bulls have DeMar DeRozan, who is a big physical wing. They also have Zach Levine, etc. The other guy who was out in this game was a Kong Wu. That was less of a surprise. He actually, as discussed on the last show that we did on Saturday evening into Sunday, was listed as questionable coming out of halftime on Saturday with left hamstring tightness, ended up playing and playing fine in that second half, but was questionable coming into the night, ended up being ruled out before the game. And uh, fortunately, Capella was able to play more minutes. He was actually not in restriction at all, according to Lauren Javara on the broadcast. But um, with 
Derek Faber is no longer on the roster. Frank Kaminsky played one small stint in this game. They probably worked Capella a little bit too hard, honestly, in this one. But Akangu's absence was certainly felt as well. So the Hawks, as I've been saying for a long time, uh, probably six months at this point, when they are not at full strength, it's not the same, not the same team. And they were missing two of their top seven guys, basically, in this game. And that definitely showed at times along the way. Um, FanDuel, our partners over there, made the Hawks one and a half point underdogs at tip off of this game. It was between one and a half and two most of the day. So we'll kind of call it one and a half. And obviously did not cover that particular number in this spot. Primarily, it was DeJounte Murray uh, defending Zach Levine, which is not a huge surprise. That's probably the primary matchup, even with Hunter playing, that probably would have been the case. They kind of threw a lot at DeRozan. It was bogey at, at the start. I know that's not great on paper, really, at all, because bogey is not a good defender at this stage. I did say this uh, last week with, with regard to the uh, matchup against the Mavericks when he had to guard Luke a little bit. It's not the worst matchup in the world for Bogey. Um, there are definitely worse guys for Bogey to have to defend than DeMar DeRozan. He's not really a, a guy who's going to blow by you a lot. And the Hawks did a decent job on DeMar, actually, in this game. But still bad, obviously, to have Bogey ha- have to do that. Later in the game, it was Griffin. It was Collins at times. It was Jalen Johnson for a few for a few possessions. Not a whole lot of uh, guys to throw. And it kinda, it's, it's one of those reminders that, Hunter is pretty irreplaceable defensively on this roster, unless you want to go really deep into Justin Holiday. But even he is probably too skinny to deal with Demar Derozan. So um, anyway, not a great option there along the way, and uh, it would kind of bit them at times. Uh, both teams though were very cold early on. The first quarter was a total slog in this game. It was twenty-one to seventeen in favor of the Hawks at the end of the first quarter, and uh, Bulls were three of eleven out of, out of the gate. Hawks were four of twelve. Um, I thought that the Hawks did a good job defensively for most of the game. Now, not the whole game because the second quarter was pretty rough, but the Hawks did a decent job defensively. That's why I kind of focus on the offense at the outside of this podcast. The offense was certainly a bigger issue than the defense in this game. Capella was good, flying around, rebounding the ball. Uh, early in the game, DeJounte Murray was still hot where he has been for like the last week and a half, basically. He cooled off a lot in the second half. He was probably due for some of that. But, uh, yeah, he was kind of the only offensive bright spot in that first quarter. Uh, rotationally, it was A.J. Griffin and Aaron Holiday as the first guys off the bench. There was no mid-quarter timeout for Trey Young in the first or third in this game. Kind of a slight change to the rotation there. Jalen Johnson played a decent amount of minutes in this game off the bench, 15 in that uh, kind of third big role. That lasted only about a minute with him and Collins playing. They, they brought in Kaminsky for about four minutes at the end of the first quarter, at the beginning of the second quarter, and he did not play again in the second half. Um Still, just a lot of ugliness on offense. The Hawks actually missed a bunch of free throws in this game. They had seven turnovers in the first nine and a half minutes. And if you want to circle one thing, one single number in this game, I would point you to the turnovers where the Hawks were terrible taking care of the ball in a way they just really are not usually. And I circled that on my Patreon preview if you missed that on Sunday evening into Monday. But uh, basically said the Hawks needed to take care of the ball in this matchup, which is not like a groundbreaking analysis, but the Bulls are a very good turnover creation team and prevention team. So if you can't do either one of those things, you're going to be in trouble against the Bulls. And that definitely happened to the Hawks in this spot. The Hawks were still somehow up by four points at the end of the first quarter, despite scoring 21 points on 28 possessions. That's a 75 of its rating and they were winning. But uh, from there, the Bulls, by the way, started six of 25 from the floor in the game. Uh, that was not going to continue the entire way. The Hawks did lead by as many as six points early on in the second quarter after an 8-1 to run, but the Bulls woke up from there, had an, eight, had an 8-0 run. Kaminsky threw a pretty bad pick-six turnover to Caruso for a dunk, and that got they got Frank pulled on the next stoppage, and he never came back in the game. Um, the grossest, though, did continue for a while in the second quarter. Both teams still had a sub-80 sub, all, sub 80 offensive rating in the first quarter and a half, and the Hawks turning the ball over, couldn't make a three. The Bulls just couldn't make anything, but then Unfortunately for Atlanta, Chicago's offense found its stride in the back half of the second quarter. The Hawks did have some positive 
plays on offense. There was a nice dunk by Capella. It was a left-handed dunk, but the Bulls made some shots. against kind of a flawed zone the Hawks tried in the second quarter. The Bulls made some jumpers, which kind of forced the Hawks out of that zone. Bogey had a weird take foul on the backcourt that kind of throw back to the old days where the Hawks were doing that quite a bit. Um, Collins got his third foul late. That probably hurt the defense as well. And, um, you know, late in the game, late in the first half, I should say, the Hawks were turning the ball over a, a lot. And then the Bulls scored the final six points of the quarter in the second to take a nine-point lead at halftime. In the second quarter, the Bulls shot 68% from the floor and scored 40 points. Um, a little bit of that was hot shooting and some positive aggression. They actually hit four out of seven from three. And DeRozan was at least largely in check, but the Hawks had some breakdowns in that second quarter. It was really the only time in the whole game where I was like outwardly frustrated by the defense. Um, the rest of the game, was, it was totally fine, I thought. Um, offensively, though, it was rough. 48 points in the first half, 51 possessions. So less than a point per possession is really bad. Um, other than the offensive glass, where they had a few dents in the uh, positive direction, everything else was bad offensively in the first half. 4-16 from three. The spacing was pretty bad. The flow was pretty bad. Ball movement-wise, 13 turnovers in the first half. That's more than they averaged for a full game. So the Hawks are in the top three of the league in turnovers per game. It's like 12.7, something like that. And they had 13 in halftime. Uh, that's a bad sign. Uh, Murray did stay hot, as I mentioned before. He had 15 points in the first quarter. Sorry, in the first half. And Capella had a double-double at halftime. But other than that, Trey was struggling in the first half. Uh, Collins and Bogey also struggling. And uh, the Hawks were sort of an uphill battle as a result of all of that. We'll have more on this game, as you might expect. Second half, breakdowns, fourth quarter, what transpired there, and sort of a back-and-forth affair, and then my individual player breakdowns, as well as my overall stat takeaways, etc. Before we get to all of that on today's podcast, we're from our sponsors on today's show. The NFL playoffs are ongoing. We are very excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown Podcast Network because they're the number one sports book in America, and that is FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make sports betting fun and easy. New customers can join today. You can start with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. They have all of your favorite bets, money lines, point spreads to totals, game props, player props, and more at FanDuel+. Plus, You can combine your bets for a chance to win a bigger payout with a same game parlay championship Sunday is now here in the NFL coming up this week and the Chiefs and Eagles are small favorites against the Bengals and Niners right now as I record this podcast everyone's going to be monitoring those games very closely you also get the latest odds and totals and all that fun stuff on the Hawks including the game on Wednesday in Oklahoma City and you can do it all in an app that's safe secure and super easy to use football fans basketball fans don't miss out on all of this stuff at FanDuel. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So early in the third quarter, it was a kind of a threat to be run out of the building briefly. The Hawks were down by 11 in the opening minutes of that third quarter. But fortunately, Bogey had his best stretch of the entire game early in the third. He hit two threes. He had a nice two-man game with Capella that led to a dunk. I thought Clint particularly did a good job moving the ball. There were some point some point Capella jokes flying, and that were appropriate in that, in that part of the, of the third quarter. Trey, though, still had his kind of a slow start. He woke up later in the quarter, but he, he actually missed both, both free throws on a, on a trip to the line. That almost never happens for Trey. He did, he did kind of find it again. He had a nice drive later in the third quarter for a three-point play, had a layup to cut the lead to one, and that kind of capped an 11-2 run by the Hawks that was probably their best stretch of the entire second half. The Bulls did go cold in that period, which was very helpful. Uh, with the exception of DeRozan, the rest of the Bulls roster started 5 of 17 in the third. Uh, there was a very funny possession that I thought and sort of circled that when the Bulls got three offensive rebounds in a row on the same on the same possession, but every time kicked out for an open three and missed it. 
So both lucky from the Hawks' perspective and also kind of just amusing to watch, but ended up being tied at the end of the third quarter. And there was a lot of improvement, I thought, overall from Atlanta in that third quarter. Trey was the biggest difference, I thought, between the first half and the third quarter. He had 12 points. He was in, he was in more command getting to his spots in that third quarter. Uh, he wasn't great in this game by any means, but that was, that was his best stretch of the night. And the Hawks also stopped turning the ball over as much. Three turnovers in the third quarter and only one in the final nine minutes. And uh, not coincidentally, that was the Hawks' best quarter on the stat sheet. They were, they were plus nine in the third quarter, and it was because they stopped turning the ball over. And that, that's not the entire thing, but it really was a pretty good explanation for a lot of it. They also, again, skipped Kaminsky in the second half, went more to Jalen Johnson and, Capel- and, and John Collins without Capella on the floor, which I agreed with as a general principle. Uh, in the fourth, though, 11-3 run out of the gate by the Bulls with Trey on the bench. So Trey played the whole third quarter, as he has been usually doing. And uh, at that point, when he came back in, the Hawks were plus nine with him, and minus 17 without him. And, uh, you know, Trey wasn't even, like, brilliant in this game by any means. I think he's been good, he's been good defensively by his standards in the last, you know, couple of weeks at this point. But offensively, it was just like kind of a middling game for Trey. He wasn't awesome. But still, they just kind of fell apart whenever he left, whenever he left the floor on offense in this game. It was already bad with him on the floor, but it was much worse with him off the floor, and that was glaring. That first stretch in the fourth quarter was probably the worst part of it. They missed four or five shots. They got the line and, and split a pair of free throws, but it was really stagnant, some really rough process stuff with Murray kind of forcing it early in the fourth, and the Bulls were also hot, which made it look worse. Um, they, went, they went back to try a little bit earlier than usual. They kind of had to. I, that was a good decision, I thought, by Nate. Uh, there was a nice three by A.J. Griffin at the top of the key, kind of a nice curl. You know, He has this knack for taking and making threes with his legs just sprawled. And it was a kind of, it's kind of a weird looking shot. But it went in and AJ buried that one, got down to six. That was a good little stretch there. They went very small in the middle of the fourth quarter, which I was okay with. Nate tends to like to go small and with some more shooting when they are trailing in the fourth quarter. That's been a theme that I've talked about for a long time, but this time it was even smaller than usual. It was Young, Murray, Griffin, and Bogdanovich, one through four. And then they went with either Collins or Capella at the five in that stretch. Uh, they went a little bit bigger later on, but that was uh, kind of just going to Nate's tendencies when he uh, does, he doesn't usually like to do that. But when they're down the fourth quarter, he will definitely press that edge and try to get some, some spacing on the floor. They got down to three, actually, briefly. In the, thir- in the fourth quarter on a nice pass by Trey to Collins, but then right on cue, 8-0 run by the Bulls, a three by Levine, a three by DeRozan, and a, and a run-out dunk by Levine in the middle of that, and uh, that was kind of the big thing along the way there. Now, the Hawks did get back within six with 4.20 to go after a huge stretch by John Collins. Honestly, John was not very good in this game, but he had a big three when they were, when they were, when they were down by 11 with five and a half minutes to go, then a block on Zach Levine, and then Trey scored right after that. So I, I think John had five points and a block within like a minute and a half. That was a big stretch. And uh, coming out of the timeout, the Hawks were right in the game. Yes, they were down by six, but they were right there. Um, but after that, DeRozan scored the next two trips. The Hawks only got one point on the next two trips as Trey missed a free throw. Again, his third miss of the game. Uh, Capella, Capella missed his free throw. Uh, actually went one of two, which is totally normal for him, I will say. Uh, and then actually forced a turnover defensively on DeMar DeRozan. But the Hawks' biggest threat, I think, probably stopped when Trey missed a kind of a relocation pump fake three on the right wing with about, I don't know, two minutes to go, three minutes to go. Um, it was a decent shot, just missed it front rim. That led to a transition chance by the Bulls, who scored, and it was suddenly a 10-point game again. So it was basically, if that shot goes down from Trey, they're down five, and they're right in it. He misses it, it's 10, and then Murray turns it over. The Bulls hit a three, it's 13, and it's basically curtains. The Hawks were back within like eight, I think it was, in the last 80 seconds of the game or so after AJ made a three, but it was never really really in doubt after that three by Patrick Williams, I believe it was, with about two minutes to go. And uh, yeah, so the Hawks... Process-wise, it got away from them in the fourth quarter. The numbers were not very good all the way through the game. They lost the fourth quarter 33-22. to uh, And, yeah, it was there's some noise in there, but 
I'll just bring it full circle. The offense just wasn't good enough in this game. And now that's the broad. We'll get into the more uh, sort of the nitty gritty now, but hundred points on 97 possessions. is just not going to win you many games, especially against a team in the bulls. That's like a, you know, average ish defense. This is not like you're playing the bucks, like the prime bucks or you're playing, you know, the locked in Celtics or the Cavs or whatever. Like this is a team that has an okay defense with, especially with Caruso. They're pretty good defensively, pretty feisty, but not great. And to go out there and not be able to score. Honestly, coming into the night, I was more worried about defense than the offense because Without Hunter in particular, this is a bad match for the Hawks defensively, and I was kind of impressed at times by the defense. But offensively, it just wasn't good enough. So they did shoot 56% on twos in the game, which is about their average. That's not incredible, but it's totally fine. I will say, though, they were 5 of 16 from floater range, broke in the glass, and the Hawks had been incredibly hot from floater range. Most of that's been Murray and Trey in the last you know four, five, six games, and that regressed in a big way here. That's not like horrific, and it's not huge volume, but that's a lot worse than they've been doing recently. They were 10 of 33 from three. That's not, again, horrible, but not good. Uh, 12 of 19 at the line is uh, really bad. The Hawks are a top five team in the league in free throw percentage, and this game, they just kind of fell apart. And it wasn't like, you know, sometimes when the Hawks have this happen, it's because Capella goes like, you know, four of 10. In this game, Capella was only two of three. So you can't blame Clint for this one. Trey missed three free throws. Jalen missed three free throws as well, which is a little bit less surprising than Trey. But uh, you know, 12 of 19, this is one of those little things that can get you beat along the way. But the biggest thing, again, was the 19 turnovers that led directly to 25 points for the Bulls. That just can't happen. doesn't matter who you're playing against. The Hawks um, have had some nights like this along the way. Yeah, I think of that one in Toronto where they just kind of like, they could not dribble the ball basically the entire game. It wasn't that bad, but basically that was my key to the game coming in. Um, and look, the Hawks cannot afford to be minus eight in turnovers in any matchup, especially when you're playing the Bulls um, on the road. And uh, yeah, that was basically the, that was the game in my mind. Like, nothing is only, it's not, it's never one thing, but if there was one thing that you could say, all right, the Hawks, let's just say we could redo this game and the Hawks have a, have, have a neutral turnover advantage in this game. That'd have been totally fine. And they probably win, but minus eight couldn't, uh, couldn't withstand that. And uh, Nate talks about it in, in his lead in the postgame press conference as he should. It was the single biggest disappointment for the Hawks in this game as a team was the lack of ball security and it bit them in a big way. Uh, defensively, Again, they were okay. They weren't great. A 113 defensive rating is about what the Hawks averaged for the season. That's not fantastic, but it's not terrible. The only quarter that was bad was the fourth. That was, uh, sorry, was the second quarter with 40 points. Uh, the Bulls only shot, you know, decently, like maybe, maybe average, maybe even below average. They won possession battle by a lot. I do this all the time, but it, it really is worth it if you want, if you just kind of think, kind of think your way through the game. The Bulls took 10 more shots than the Hawks did. And even if you only make half of those shots or make 40% of those shots, say they go four of 10. If you take 10 more shots, you're adding eight to 10 points on those, on those four shots, on those four made shots. And that's the game. That's, that's the spread in this game. So anyway, all that said, the Hawks didn't play an F game. They didn't play a D minus game. They were probably like, you know, D plus C minus game. They didn't play well. They didn't play terribly. The bulls didn't like take it away from them either. The Hawks just offensively just weren't good enough. And I, I don't want to go, I don't want to belabor the point any more than I have to, but we're getting to individual players in a second. I don't think anybody was individually brilliant in this game either. And that's part of the deal. But uh, yeah, they'll have better nights for sure. But the offense just wasn't good enough. And uh, that's going to have to be the case moving forward. They, they got to be good. I mean, we've talked about this for a long time. The Hawks have not been great offensively this season, but there's a reason they just had that five game winning streak. It's because they started scoring like an elite offense. They're that stretch. The defense was okay for sure, but it was an offense first team. And that, that's the model with Trey is that you're going to have to be awesome on offense to really sustain high level success. And the Hawks were anything but awesome in this game on offense. All right. We'll have more on this game in a second with regard to the individual players and how they performed. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's show. 
All right, let's dive into the players and how they performed in this spot. Uh, not a whole lot of effusive praise coming, I wouldn't imagine, in the uh, in the wake of an 11-point loss. Kaminsky played five minutes, had a block and a steal, actually. Was kind of active defensively, had a nice finish on a Trey Lobb. He was okay. Um, I think he was probably better than he usually is. I think Vucevic is a decent matchup for Kaminsky, actually. I also agree with playing without him in the second half, going down to eight players, but I thought he was fine in when he played. Uh, Jalen Johnson kind of struggled. He did rebound the ball well in his 15 minutes on the floor, but he was minus 13, one of four from the floor, and one of four at the line, which is kind of tough. Um, did have, again, rebounding was strong, but no, no assists. Three fouls. Uh, he'll have better nights for sure. And, uh, you know, it's one of those one of those nights for Jalen. He wasn't terrible, but just wasn't giving them a ton off the bench. Aaron Holiday, same kind of thing. He was more effective, but in a more uh, Aaron Holiday kind of way. I preferred to him as a, kind of a 5'10", 3-and-D wing. He made his he made his own three-point attempt in this game. He was a catch-and-shoot, got to the line for two, for two attempts, made both. Had five points and a rebound, but, you know, he's not a huge ball handling factor, let's just say, in a positive direction. Defensively, he's pesky and solid, but he did his job, I thought, but not nothing more than nothing less than that. Uh, AJ Griffin had kind of an interesting game. I don't think he played all that well, but he did make three threes. Uh, did have 11, 11 points on seven shots, which he'll have to take, obviously. Uh, he got a little bit hotter late in the late in the contest. You know, people were kind of calling for him to start. I would have been fine if he started in this game, but it's important to me that he played starters minutes. He played 31 minutes in this game. That's, that's fine. Play AJ a lot. I would have closed with AJ, as I said on Twitter during the game. I think I think he was better than Bogey in this one. It doesn't bother me too much that he didn't start, but I think uh, you know defensively they're obviously trying to cover up for AJ a lot. He's not like on the tray level of cover up for at this point, but they definitely seem to worry more about AJ's defense than other guys. Which I it's, it's okay. He's nice. He's a 19 year old rookie. That's kind of the way it's supposed to work. But um, if you're wondering why he doesn't play more, that's always the reason. And uh, I thought he played a lot in this game. That was good. He uh, didn't play great, but gives them, obviously, a threat with the shooting at all times. And he hit a couple big ones in the second half. To the starters, um, I thought Collins struggled by his standards in this game. Ball security-wise, especially five turnovers for, for Collins is, is just pretty rough. I think two of those were offensive fouls, which is a little bit weird always. But 11, uh, sorry, 11 points, nine rebounds, two steals, and a block. I think defensively, he was good. Offensively, he was not in this game. He had some, uh, he had some ball security issues, as I said before, some ball handling issues. Shot selection wasn't fantastic. He did make a three. He was one of four from three, five of 11 from the floor. So four of seven on twos, no free throws, just kind of a, a below average game for sure. For John, he had that one nice stretch in the fourth quarter, but not his best work necessarily. Um, Bogey, I thought was actively bad for most of the game. Honestly, 11 points did have four assists, but one rebound. It was offensive. Um, three away from three is fine, but one of four on twos. Um, I, I think Bogey is just stopping the ball too much too. He's not, he's not functioning as a ball mover the way he probably needs to be. He was minus 20. Part of that's that Trey was off the floor in some of that minutes, those minutes, but still, I think Bogey, uh, especially defensively, it's glaringly bad. You know, he's going to have to be better. I think the knee is a problem that will not just be solved along the way this year. But with the lack of depth behind him, I think he's playing too much. But also, I understand why, because of the guys that Nate doesn't trust behind him. I think maybe you give more and more to AJ, but that isn't a perfect solution either. So I think that, uh, you know, long story short, Bogey was a big negative in this game, and that was uh, pretty clear to see if you watched it. Uh, Murray cooled off finally after his incredibly hot shooting the last two weeks. He still had 20 points on 19 shots, which, which is totally fine. He was 7 of 12 on twos, but was only 2 of 7 on threes. And I think he started this game 7 of 10 and then was 2 of 9 from there. So maybe some regression coming. And it was always going to come. I think he, again, he shot like 6% for a six game span with 55% on, on threes. That's not going to continue. Murray's never been efficient. Even when he was having a great season last year with San Antonio, he was still below average efficiency overall with true shooting and all that. So he's never going to be a high efficiency guy. So that's going to cool off. He still helped them in the first half. He cooled off in the second half, wasn't as good. Rebounding wise was, was, was a positive factor, had four assists, but uh, not his absolute best either. Some uh, stagnant stuff. And uh, ultimately, 
not all of it, but some of the some of the struggles without Trey do fall on Murray because he's tasked with kind of driving that unit, and it was very ineffective in this game. Uh, Capella, 16 points, 12 rebounds, two steals, two blocks. I thought, thought he played great, honestly. I, I do worry that he played too much. Um, you know, the Hawks had ramped him up kind of slowly. He had never played more than 24 minutes since coming back, and then suddenly he's unrestricted and plays 36 minutes. And I get why. The Kongwu being out, I'm sure, is the reason why he played so much in this game. But I would like to see that be a little bit lower. I do understand it because of the lack of options behind him. But I thought Capella, when he played, was good. He anchored the defense effectively. And again, the defense was, was fine in this game. Uh, so uh, he's been good since he came back. And Clint is still a key piece of this team. And lastly, Trey. So kind of a weird one for Trey. 21 points, 13 assists. Uh, those numbers are obviously very solid. Six turnovers. It's not ridiculous for Trey, but it's more than you want. Uh, but 0 of 5 on threes, 7 of 11 on twos is fine. 7 of 10 at the line, I'm sure he would li- he'd like to a couple of those back. Um, I thought he was not good for most of this game on offense. He had the good third quarter, a couple of uh, big shots when they, when they needed him. But I don't think it was his best offensive game by any means. Defensively, I think he's still playing better than he has. Um, not quite as good as he was last week, I don't think, defensively, but still better than his normal baseline for sure in this game. He was engaged. He was better. Uh, but – you know, offensively, just not his best work. Uh, I think really the last like three halves for Trey. He's kind of regressed. I, I know I praised him quite a bit, and I think rightly so for his playing within a system. A couple of uh, a couple of games last week when he was not putting up huge numbers, but certainly doing his job. Three point shooting has uh, betrayed him again after that hot stretch that he had when he was kind of getting back to almost his normal baseline. Uh, he's not made a three in the last two games, I believe. I'm looking this up now as I'm talking, so my apologies. Yeah, he is one of his last seventeen from three in the last four games. So that explains some of the lack of efficiency stuff. He's got to be better than that from three. That's not a huge surprise. He was, uh, and there was like a 10 game stretch before that. He actually made a bunch of shots. So it's been a roller coaster for Trey from three this year, but one of 17, uh, obviously you can't overlook that. So there you go. Um, all right. That's all the players, but uh, yeah, it's one of those things where like nobody played great. Nobody was just like terrible. I mean, maybe bogey you could say would be on that list. Collins was blue average for him for sure. But Anyway, we'll leave it there for now and look to look ahead to the future briefly here. The Hawks play again on Wednesday, and they play the Thunder. So in the past, at least in the, in the recent past, going to Oklahoma City, anytime you're on the road, I am keen of saying that nothing is easy on the road in the NBA. That's always the case. But the Thunder have been pretty bad for a long time. Uh, at least not a, maybe not a super long time, but certainly long enough where uh, you don't remember them being good if you're like a new fan of the NBA. Um, the Thunder haven't been good. Yeah, this is their third straight um, very deep lottery bounds uh, season projected. But I use the word projected because the Thunder are pretty good all of a sudden. In fact, they have won seven of their last nine and they have the rest advantage as well. They haven't played since Sunday. So this is not your older brother's Thunder team. They have a real star in Shea. They are well coached. They play hard. They're not big at all up front, but they are athletic and they play, I would say, they execute very well defensively. So this is a team where it's kind of weird to say this. The Hawks might be underdogs in this game, which is kind of crazy, but they might be because the way the Thunder are playing, they're 500 for the season, basically. They're one game under at this point. And uh, the Hawks have a tough stretch of games coming up because of the where they're located. So today's game started a stretch of seven out of the next eight on the road for Atlanta. The Hawks only have one home game before the deadline, which is still two and a half weeks away. So that's how long they are on the road. And that home, that home game is over the weekend, this weekend coming up. So they have this game on the road, then they are home, and then they, I think it's a six-game trip after that. So uh, a tough one ahead. I think that OKC game, you don't want to overstate it either, but it's definitely one to circle as an interesting challenge. Not a terrible rest spot because the Hawks will have tomorrow off to travel, probably overnight tonight, 
to go to OKC, but um, that is not an easy game that you might have thought coming into the season, or at least I might have thought coming into the season. So circle that one. We'll have more on that one later on in the week. But um, that's it for today. Again, not a, not a terrible earth-shattering loss. I think Saturday's loss to the Hornets is a much much worse one on paper than this one to Chicago, but still one that you would like to get, I guess, a team that's competing with you directly for seeding that uh, was vulnerable, I thought, in this game. And the Hawks could have won it if they played a little bit better on offense, but there you have it, and we'll have more later on in the week. Please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, across podcast platforms would be great. Multiple platforms is even better, but uh, pick, pick your favorite one and maybe add a couple more to that. Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher, we're also on TuneIn Radio and Odyssey and Google Play and Overcast, all those places. We're also on YouTube on the video side. If you want to watch me talk, that's uh, certainly recommended as well. If you like, if you enjoyed that uh, particular medium, please follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Rolling. I also write about the Hawks, patreon.com slash BT Rolling as well. I do appreciate you listening to the show today. Check out our new sponsor in FanDuel, FanDuel.com slash locked on. We'll see you all later in the week.